So firstly, let me welcome you and thank you for joining me for a coffee with the editor. I was quite surprised because I know that Namibia has been talking about a commuter rail network well, the development thereof of a commuter rail network. I think I covered it some time back, but never really gave it much thought. I mean, the last time, maybe perhaps not the last time, but one of the conversations I had with Johnny probably last year, we actually touched on, you know, passenger transport really taking the next leap. It wasn't necessarily with this project in mind. But I think one of the things that really one needs to keep in mind, and perhaps this is where the government doll is coming from, is that there's only a handful of places around the world where commuter transport or passenger rail is profitable and doesn't need to be massively subsidized by the government. But it is still a necessity. So in other words, people still need to move, and the most efficient way in which to do that is rail. And there are a number of attributes that go with it, so carbon emissions, the whole environmental aspect, and then just the cost, obviously. But before yeah. we get into all the nitty-gritties of that, I think where we need to start is introduce yourself and just tell me a little bit about your company, Skygrow Industries. All right, well, my name is Bradley Ferreira. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Skygrow Industries. Basically, Skygrow is an extension of what I've been doing for the last eight years. And that is managing this Trans Hours Express commuter rail project. The company appointed me in November 2012 to revive the project after it was in remission for about nine or ten years due to certain factors. And although it was in remission for such a long time, there was still a need for this project to, to get into existence. So I was formally appointed as the project manager in 2012. And that is when I started talks with Transnamup and the Ministry of Works and Transport here again. Of course, not everyone was familiar with the project, seeing that so much time has elapsed. And it took some time to actually get everyone aware of what happened when the company was started back in the 90s. The project proposal that was submitted to Cabinet back then, which was endorsed in 1998. And as far as this project goes, the initial Cabinet endorsement that was done is still standing till today. It has not been rescinded. It has not been canceled. And what came from the proposal that the initial directors from Transawa submitted was, it was a group of concerned elders from a small town called Riabath, about 80 kilometers south of the capital, Mantuk. And their main concern was the amount of road accidents and the amount of fatalities as a result of these road accidents. Riabath carries the most commuters in Namibia. And uh, the reason why is simple. It's a very small town, and more than 80% of the employable population that lives in this town works in Bantuk because the town hasn't got a lot of employment opportunities. Okay. And besides the fact that about six or 700 matrics finish school every year, the only opportunity for them is to work in Bantuk. So what happened was, after the endorsement was done in 98, the Ministry of Works commissioned a pre-feasibility study to be performed. From that study back then, it was derived that this project will be feasible, taking into account the commuters traveling back then. I think in 2002, there was a number like 2,500 commuters traveling one way on a daily basis and something like 450 vehicles. Now, with your point that there are only a few countries, and mostly of them in Europe, where commuter rail is actually feasible, 
we have taken that into account. But our main, let me call it, advantage is that we are going to make use of the current rail infrastructure that's already there. And that's why we are proposing to Transnumab to enter into a PPP with it. Our engineers have identified at least 25 kilometers of the current track that will be need to be upgraded to allow for higher speeds, average speeds. So these things have been taken into account. Of course, any project like this that needs almost a billion dollar in capital, we would need to negotiate a very long-term agreement with the government or with Transnumab, whether it's uh, build, operate and sell or transfer or a PPP or whether it's a concession or whatever the case may be. But of course, the main thing is with the little that we have on hand, we have a pre-feasibility study, we've got a cabinet endorsement, we've got a feasibility summary that was performed in 2015. With that that we have on hand, this project is attracting a lot of foreign investors' interest. And... Um, we need to give it attention, really. And that's why I am taking these steps now to see that we can get this project off the ground. So if one had to, had to put it down in terms of the track infrastructure is already there, with the yeah. exception of some maintenance or maybe an extension or an upgrade. So the track infrastructure is, is already there. So that's not a huge amount of investment in terms of that kind of track. Would you not be able to, to enter into like an open access agreement where something that South Africa is busy putting together at the moment to allow private operators onto their networks? So, I mean, you would then, as a private operator, run passenger services between those two points. You're not necessarily taking on the cost of track infrastructure maintenance, but bearing in mind that that will down the road be a risk. I'm not sure whose liability it is, but it would be a risk. Transnumab is not maintaining the track infrastructure. But again, you no. know, that's kind of governed by, by various agreements. And, you know, so really, I think potentially, and I hate to make this quite simplified, but then the next step really is the rolling stock to run it. Again, I'm, I'm simplifying. I'm not saying anything about the signaling or stations or anything like that. I'm, I'm really simplifying that if yeah. you can get an open access agreement to run passenger services, that doesn't impact government's financial pocket at all. And you just need rolling stock. Basically. Well, this is, this is what we've made clear from, from day one. Um, there was a urban transport master plan that was compiled a few years ago. Um, and one of the issues that were identified, especially with regards to the capital city, is the influx of commuters into the city on a daily basis. Of course, causing a lot of congestion on a daily basis. And um, one of the things that were identified in the master plan was alternative ways of commuter transport. And three areas were identified. Uh, one of the areas that were identified was the Riaboth Ventuk Road, the Riaboth Okahania Road, and the uh, the Ventuk Riaboth Road, the Ventuk Okahania Road, and the Ventuk Osia Kotako International Airport Road. What we then uh, uh, proposed to the ministry was that if Transawas Express can come in 
as a private company. All right. We can start off with a pilot project being the Rehoboth Bintuk commuter road. And then we can expand our operations to include the other areas which were identified in the urban transport master plan. Of course, we initially proposed a PPP arrangement because from day one, we realized that we would not succeed in getting any financial assistance from the government because from day one, they made it clear. They also made it clear that they can provide no guarantees. Hence, we thought that we need to find an alternative and the PPP was the next best alternative for us because then the government can hold shares in this project via the SOE, which is post trans, trans number. But we cannot, um, we cannot ignore the fact that Transnumab as a rail custodian, their contribution will ultimately be the current line. All right. And if you have to convert that into a value, it's actually massive. As for the rolling stock is um, that we would procure on our own because our, what we are proposing to them is that although there will be PPP Trans Hours Express wants to operate this, call it this service as a private company. We want to do the procurement. We want to do the appointments. We want to do the running of the service. But of course, with Transnomab as a shareholder. So a lot of things have been put in place. We've had many engineers here um, over, the, over the years. We've had people here that came to test the track in 2014 to assess the railway line. And what was quite strange is the fact that they could not understand why such an almost 100-year-old railway line is still in such a good condition, um, specifically referring to the concrete sleepers and stuff like that. And it was purely because of the fact that the line is not regularly being used. Um, Transnomab is currently only focusing on freight, but more road than rail at this stage. So the line is in a very good condition. And um, as for the rolling stock, we are looking at going diesel for the time being with the option of electrifying the line within the next 10 or 20 or 30 years, looking at green, uh, green energy and stuff like that. But so many things already been put in place. So many um, ideas have been put forward and these have been presented to the stakeholders already. Our biggest, let me call it hurdle, is the fact that there's no procedure for unsolicited projects. In Namibia. There's no formal procedure on how to deal with that. I think that this is an unsolicited proposal. Uh, this is hindering our progress. But we cannot uh, not ignore the fact that this project already carried cabinet endorsement back in 1998. And this is what we are trying to pull through with the government now. This is what we're trying to put on the table and say, but yes, the lack of a procedure is causing this project to be hindered more and more and more. And we cannot deny the fact that this project can have so, many, so much socioeconomic benefits for the country and for the people, job creation and stuff like that. Spin-offs for other industries, it's huge. We just need someone at this stage to literally focus on what we are trying to do and to assist us and say, yes, guys, you've got the endorsement, but here's a renewed please go ahead. 
Is there no like invest like Namibian investment authority that would be able to carry this through for you? I mean, this is investment that you're bringing into the country. Would it not be? I mean, I I view it as as investment. It is. It is. And and much needed investment. And I think if one can really show the government that you're not looking for guarantees and you're you're not looking for money, which I'm afraid nobody has um, at the moment, then I I really see no real issue for rolling something like this out, other than you know the painstaking process or the painstaking um, paragraph that is always sent to me, which is you know commuter rail isn't isn't profitable. But it's not always no. about that service. It is about what happens around that service. It's about what in right. what that service enables right. and the knock-on effect around it. So it's not always right. directly about that. Um, no. If you got the go-ahead mid-March, when would we see the first train? You know, bearing in mind that lead times are just uh, so long. Um, when when do you see well, your first commuter? We were we were looking at a we were looking at a period of two to three years. But once once we get the go ahead, we will firstly need to update all our studies because the studies that we have on file are outdated. So we've actually got funding for a pre-feasibility study, a feasibility study, and a bankable business business plan to be performed. Because we're not going to jump into this thing like headless chickens, of course. We just need a, some sort of guarantee, and not in terms of money, but some sort of guarantee from the state that says, you know what, we'll allocate this to you for a period of two years. On condition that you can prove that the project is feasible. Okay. So we can, of course, fund our own studies to prove that. The biggest issue with some studies that were performed subsequent to, subsequent to 2002 are the ridership totals. I'm not agreeing with what some of the engineers are quoting because I was a commuter myself for a long time. And there's not less than 5,000 people traveling on this road on a daily basis. Okay. 5,000 people, 700 vehicles at least. So we will first want to prove to ourselves and to prove to the state that the project is definitely feasible, beside our beliefs, but have that in writing in a comprehensive document. And then subsequent to that, we are looking at a period of two to three years to get this project off the ground. Because there are there's some track side changes that we need to do with regard to platforms, additional platforms that need to be built. The current station closer to the about is 10 kilometers away. We'll have to relocate that that station closer to town, it actually beats the purpose for us to take cars off the road, but cars will still have to travel 10 clicks to get to the station. So we are looking at shifting that as well. And we're looking at upgrades to the current station in Bantuk. So these are all plans that we have. The Element Consulting Engineers from Durbanville in SA, they actually assisted us with the feasibility summary. And they told us a sufficient period would be 24 to 36 months to get the project started. So yeah, but it's been, it's been a headache for me for the last eight years. I don't know how the initial directors felt, but at least back then they got some, some support from the then Minister of Transport. Um, he was actually the main driver in the project. 
and sadly passed away. There was just no support in after that. How far are you with your engagement with Transnamib? Well, we signed an um, NDA with Transnamib back in 2014. Okay, so that needs um, to be updated. Well, there's no expiry date on that. Okay. But when Johnny took office, we, of course, set up meetings with him and we introduced the project with him. And uh, Johnny has showed his support or his support for the project. I think not from him personally, but from the company as well. Because Transnamib can, there's, there's no way that they're going to focus on any commuter rail at this stage. And I think you're aware of that. Um, they're looking to, to, to actually boost their freight business now from road to rail. So the support is there, but Transnamib as the SOE can, can also not just jump into this thing without actually knowing or actually getting the support from government or the go-ahead from the government. So what we are doing now, while we have the support, we are endeavoring from our side to exert pressure on government now to look into this thing and to, and to get this thing going. Because it's just unimaginable why a project like this could take more than two decades to get off the ground. You know, it's, 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 I can't fathom what the reasoning is. If someone is willing to take the risk, besides the government, why is it a problem to allocate this project and to get it going? That's what I can't understand. I don't know. Maybe you can, maybe you can explain it to me. But um, we are not asking for the money. We are not asking for any guarantees. We're only asking for the infrastructure and we can source the funds from elsewhere. Why is it a problem? Why, why is it not happening? Why is, it, why is this thing not moving? Because of a procedure that is not in place. I mean, this procedure had to be in place yesterday already. So I can't imagine how many of these projects are actually heaping up. You know, how many people are looking at investing money in projects, but because they are unsolicited, nothing's happening. I can just imagine that there are quite a few of them. This needs to go through the state-owned investment body to really get it going. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, many of us have these incredible ideas and we sit here also scratching our head going, why is this taking so long? And it is a good question. To me, it sounds like a no-brainer, but maybe from a policy point of view or a political point of view, there could be other, other factors that, that they haven't made public, that they haven't disclosed. A PPP unit was formed not so long ago under the, under the Ministry of Finance. We've been there. We've been there on a few occasions. And that's where we got the, uh, the feedback that no formal procedure is in place for unsolicited projects. And uh, you just get moved from, from one office to the other office. So that's why we've taken the step and we've gotten to this point. We want to put this out there. If this thing needs to, needs to be boosted by public pressure, then it has to happen. I want to see that train run before I leave this earth. Okay, so, yeah, I just can't fathom why. But anyway, I don't want to get emotional here. <laughs> I don't want to get emotional right. here because right. there are quite a number of legacies behind this thing, if you can understand what I'm saying. There are quite a number of legacies behind this. Yeah, one would just like to see one of them at least. Yeah. And this is one of them, yeah.